You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Bills. I am your host, Matthew Fairburn. I cover the Buffalo Bills for nyup.com and syracuse.com. And today is Wednesday, September 21st, and the Bills are preparing for their Week 3 game against the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, for now, the the drama seems to be behind them, and you know they're moving forward with Anthony Lynn as the offensive coordinator after Greg Roman was fired last week. Uh, and this is basically a do-or-die situation for the Buffalo Bills. Their season is already on the ropes two weeks in, and they basically have to beat the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday if they hope to get this thing turned around and, and have any shot at, at making a run at the postseason. So the rare must-win game, LaShawn McCoy dropped that uh, today. You know, it's the rare must-win game in week three for an NFL team, and uh, the Bills are definitely in that spot. So we'll get into quite a few things on this podcast. I want to basically give you three big takeaways from media day today, just being around the facility today and and with Rex's press conference and a few other players talking, got a little bit of insight into what's going to be different about the offense. So we'll touch on that in this episode. We will give you a recap of the injuries uh, that this team is dealing with because uh, despite, you know, everything that's gone on uh, with the firing of Greg Roman and, and other drama surrounding the team, injuries are, are still an issue. And, uh, you know, we'll get into that and, and let you know what you need to know about the injuries. Uh, and we'll also get into a little bit of Rex, you know, saying today he's not not feeling too comfortable right now. He he doesn't, you know, the 0-2 start isn't isn't comfortable for him, and, and he might be feeling the heat a little bit. So we'll get into all three of those uh, on this episode. I want to remind you guys you can subscribe to the show by searching Locked On Bills on iTunes or on audioboom.com. You can catch up with all of our episodes there. Uh, You can also find me on Twitter at Matthew Fairburn. Ask me questions, send suggestions for the show, anything like that. We do this podcast every day, so if you subscribe, you'll you'll be able to find it, and it'll be there for you each and every day. And we will get into some questions on this episode as well. If you got a few of you guys sent them in on Twitter, and I appreciate that. But we'll start off with what we can expect in, as far as change from this offense. We got a few insights into that today. We already talked on this podcast about uh, you know, the fact that they're basically going to be picking from the same playbook. It's just a matter of Anthony Lynn getting to put his spin on things in, in terms of picking plays and picking you know maybe who gets the ball, things like that. Um, but we also there's also a few you know housekeeping things in, that this offense had to get squared away, uh, and it was interesting for Rex Ryan to point out that on Monday and today Wednesday he was sitting in on offensive meetings, providing some feedback when he was asked questions, and when he talks about it being a more inclusive process, you know, Aaron Cromer was up there talking about the running game. Rex Ryan was providing some input uh, when asked questions about you know about certain defenses and certain looks. Uh, Chris Palmer, the old offensive uh, assistant, 
is taking on a bigger role with the passing game, and, and he was getting involved in team meetings as well. So those are some, some interesting insights, I think, uh, because we can start to peel back a little bit and and realize that you know the Bills are trying to you know adjust on the fly here. And Rex Ryan said, you know, he he expected Anthony Lynn to be more inclusive. It kind of implies that Greg Roman was not that way. And it's obvious right away from from this first week that Anthony Lynn is is doing that, and he's trying to get as many people involved as possible I think it's also interesting to point out that Anthony Lynn is going to be calling plays from the booth not from the sideline that's a bit of a change up because Greg Roman used to call plays from the sideline Nate Hackett the Bills old offensive coordinator uh, from the Doug Marone era called plays from the sideline as well but he started off calling them in the booth it's really a preference thing you can do it either way Uh, but to me I think it makes a bit more sense to call plays from the booth. You can see more up there. Uh, you c- there's fewer distractions, and you can really hone in on what you want to do. That being said, it's it's a change-up. It's something this team's going to have to get adjusted to, and they've had communication issues in the past, so something worth monitoring. Uh, so we touched on Chris Palmer, Aaron Cromer, Rex Ryan, all, all having a role in that meeting. Anthony Lynn's going to be calling plays from the booth. So what changes on offense you know the playbook's not going to change and uh, you know the players certainly aren't going to change but LaShawn McCoy said today that already with this game plan the first game plan that Anthony Lynn has put in there's less thinking than there was with Greg Roman's offense I thought that was interesting uh, today because there's been some hints that maybe Greg Roman's offense was a little too complex or a little bit too cute. You know, he was forcing things sometimes, trying to trick people. As Sammy Watkins pointed out on Monday, he said, we're not going to try to trick people anymore. We're just going to try to beat them. And, you know, LaShawn McCoy kind of echoed that today. He said, it's not going to be a drastic change as far as all the plays. The plays will be simplified a lot better than they were before. With Coach Roman, he was... He has big installs and a lot of plays. That type of offense is a lot of thinking, which is a good thing. He was always trying to put us in the correct play. But at the same time, he says, this will be different, McCoy said, simplifying it. Not as much thinking, more just letting players let their natural talents show. I think that is a big deal. I, I think you will see, and it's, I think... Honestly, if Anthony Lynn wants to make a name for himself, eight of the first 10 plays on offense should go to either McCoy or Sammy Watkins. And maybe the first five pass plays should go to Sammy Watkins because it's obvious that that was a point of emphasis from from Rex Ryan. Sammy Watkins has asked for the ball uh, in the past, you know, wanting more targets. He has not gotten enough targets. If he's physically up to it, I think Anthony Lynn should force him the ball. Uh, I, I just think it's going to be a fascinating case study uh, on Sunday to see. You know, Rex Ryan mentioned today, and Eric Wood mentioned it earlier in the week, they're hoping that the mystery of Anthony Lynn helps them out because Anthony Lynn has never called a play in his NFL coaching career. They're hoping that if, you know, teams don't know what to expect from him as a play caller, they can have an advantage. Maybe they can. Uh, and, and maybe, 
you know, they've been basically ignoring Sammy Watkins for so long that when they finally start throwing to him, the Arizona Cardinals are going to be a little bit surprised. But uh, to me, it's it's something to definitely something to monitor because I, I think, you know, this team has a lot to prove offensively. Uh, they're out to show that they're going to be a different team. They're going to have a different identity. They get to start to form that identity on Sunday against the Cardinals. So that's kind of what we can expect from this offense to be, you know, a little bit different. And speaking of Sammy Watkins and and whether he'll be able to, you know, go on Sunday, he and some of these other Bills players are uh, are definitely in in doubt. Uh, I think Sammy Watkins missing practice today uh, was a bad sign. I think Cordy Glenn missing practice today was also a bad sign. Uh, you know, those, and Charles Clay missing practice isn't the best sign either. Charles Clay has a knee injury that's sort of been a chronic deal with him, and uh, I think that will be interesting uh, to follow uh, you know, as the season progresses. Honestly, all of these injuries are going to be worth monitoring throughout the season. Cordy Glenn has an ankle injury, high ankle sprain. Those n- never you know, seem to heal fully throughout the course of the season as you're trying to play through them. Uh, so all three of those guys are kind of dealing with chronic things. Sammy Watkins with the foot, missing practice, pain management type of injuries. All three of those guys are worth monitoring. I think, you know, the fact that Sammy Watkins played last week is encouraging, but he didn't finish the game. So uh, I, I think he's a guy that, uh, you know, he seemed confident that he would play, uh, same as last week. So we can trust that, you know, he's going to try to give it a go. But at the same time, uh, you know, he's he's a guy that, that's going to be uh, worth following throughout the week. I think Charles Clay, same thing. He'll probably play, though. Um, that's... Those are the three guys that did not practice on Wednesday. The one guy that you want to keep an eye on uh, who was limited was Ronald Darby with a hamstring injury. Uh, And I don't think he's in jeopardy of missing the game uh, on Sunday by any means. But I do think, uh, you know, it's something to point out. You know, I asked Rex Ryan if that might have explained his poor play last week. Uh, He didn't really go there, said that, uh, you know, this he finished the game, so he should be fine and he should play. But again, hamstring injuries are always tricky, so it's worth keeping an eye on him. Last thing I wanted to touch on today before we get to some of these listener questions, which were great. And again, you can send them in on Twitter at Matthew Fairburn. I think Rex Ryan is starting to feel the heat a little bit. And he was asked that, you know, how much he was feeling the heat uh, and how much, you know, pressure he, he was starting to feel after the 0-2 start. And, uh, you know, he, he made an interesting comment uh, saying that he was, quote, not real comfortable right now. He's never been 0-2. He doesn't really know how, how to deal with being 0-2 because that's not a position he's ever been in. And I will say in throughout Rex Ryan's press conference today, he was very subdued Uh, he was not his usual jovial self he was not making jokes he was not um, getting angry he was not you know boisterous confident none of those things he was very quiet very you know uh, subdued is really the best way to put it and 
um, you know, he, he said, I, I feel a great deal of responsibility for where we're at as a football team. And he said, I just want to win and we need to win in the worst way. And we understand that. And, you know, at the same time, he said that morale was up, but it was strange. He, he tended, tends to contradict himself and did so again. He said, our morale is actually up. We're excited about the opportunity. We're playing against arguably the next two weeks, the best teams in the National Football League. So we know how big a challenge it is. But our guys, we want to get better. There's no doubt. It's a sick feeling when you play the way we played and coach the way we coach. So morale is up, but there's a sick feeling around the room. So, I mean, it's it's interesting to follow because, again, you know, we've talked about it on the podcast before. Uh, but with the firing of Greg Roman, you know, Rex Ryan th- is squarely on the hot seat. If he wasn't on the hot seat heading into the season, he's definitely on the hot seat now because, let's face it, uh, 0-2 is not where this team wanted to be. And if things continue to trend that way, uh, that's bad news for Rex Ryan. I mean, today, Bavada has him as the coach who is most likely to be the first one fired. He has the best odds to be the first coach in the NFL fired. He's even money to be fired before the end of week 17. They're saying he's even money to be fired before the season ends. It's at the beginning of the season. You probably wouldn't have said that. Even if you thought this was Rex Ryan's last year, you wouldn't think he'd be getting fired during the season. And yet, he now faces that as a pretty real possibility. And I think the only real way it happens is if you end up with a team that has totally lost control. If he continues to lose games at a rapid rate and if the team continues to sort of become this national embarrassment in a lot of ways. And again, it's only two weeks, so I think it's early to jump to that conclusion, but the way this thing is trending and some of the opponents they have in the coming weeks uh, doesn't doesn't bode well for Rex Ryan uh, heading forward. But he, obvi- I think he recognizes the gravity of this situation, and for the first time, he's kind of quieted down. And you know, now he he probably realizes that if he doesn't start winning football games, this could all be over. And uh, his chance to sort of redeem his name and his reputation, um, this might be it. And that's a lot. That, that's a lot riding on a season for him. Uh, and obviously there's there's plenty riding on this for the Bills as well. Let's get into a few of your questions this week. Uh, some good ones as always on Twitter. A couple left over from yesterday that I will get to. First, from Nick Rizzo, he sent in a couple questions on Twitter, at Matthew Fairburn. He said, do you think the Bagulas wanted Rex because they knew he would bring more attention and money to the Bills and not for his coaching? I don't think it was a conscious decision saying we care about profit more than winning games. I think the Pagulas want to win in the worst way for this city. I, I think... Even though the the bills are a means by which the Bagulas make money, they did not buy the bills in order to get rich. They were already uh, rich before. So uh, you, you can't buy a football team if you're not. I will say this, though. I think they got swept up in Rex Ryan's uh, 
um, personality and his stardom. I think they got, um, I think they got swept up by his his charm and his likability, and the fact that he is a guy who does bring a lot of attention to himself and the team he covers and has this larger than life personality. I think in some ways they were drawn to that. And Rex Ryan, that, I think that's part of why they were drawn to him at first and probably part of why they loved him so much, even though the first year was a bit of a mess because the bills became nationally relevant more so than they ever were under Doug Marone uh, or previous coaches. Uh, and that was the Rex Ryan effect. They were on the cover of Sports Illustrated. National media was coming in to Buffalo regular, regularly to cover this team. Um, but I think what ends up happening over time is that uh, if you don't win for a long enough period, it doesn't matter how funny you are or how many you know boisterous claims you make or guarantees or this and that, uh, you start to lose your luster a little bit. Rex Ryan needs a win. Rex Ryan needs, you know, to get to the playoffs. He needs something to brag about if uh, if if that's going to start, you know, catching the attention the way that it did. I think Rex Ryan will always draw attention, uh, but the problem is when things start to go really wrong the way they have been in the first two weeks, uh, all that attention doesn't necessarily go away, uh, and it's still on Buffalo in a negative way. And he, he makes... You know the, the organization look look even worse at times uh, when you know the eyeballs are on this team for the wrong reasons. So, uh, like I said, I don't I don't know that it was a conscious decision on their part, but I do think they got swept off their feet by a guy with a big personality. Nick also asked, "Is the loss of Donnie Henderson affecting the secondary?" I would buy that. Uh, I I think Donnie Henderson is an excellent coach. Um, for my money, he's one of the better defensive backs coaches in the NFL uh, and a guy that, um, you know, players really gravitated towards and learned a lot from, and he was on those guys constantly. He was a, He's an excellent, excellent defensive backs coach. But I don't think that's the entire reason why Stephon Gilmore and Ronald Darby couldn't make any plays against the Jets last Thursday. Uh, Ed Reed's a pretty good coach in his own right. He knows quite a bit about playing secondary in the NFL. So, um, you know, so does Tim McDonald. He played in the NFL. Dennis Thurman played. Uh, and so all those guys, um, that's a lot of expertise in the secondary. Uh, Rex and Rob Ryan have coached defense forever. So really no lack of coaching. But I do think Donnie Henderson is, is a great coach, and uh, that can't be understated. And um, yeah, he might, he might, um, I thought, I thought he was a big reason why Ronald Darby played as well as he did as a rookie. I will say that, but not an excuse the bills can lean on. They have too much talent on the field and in the, on their coaching staff to, uh, to use the loss of Donnie Henderson. Scott asks, I know Cordy Glenn is out of practice so far this week. What are his chances of playing on Sunday? I'll touch on that a little bit earlier, but I think he's a bit of a long shot to play. The good news is that Cyrus Quanjo has stepped in and played very well in Cordy Glenn's absence. So um, even if Cordy Glenn can't play, I don't think that's the death knell uh, to this offense the way we might have thought it was a week ago because Cyrus Quanjo played well uh, against the Jets. 
Colin asks, how much tension is around the team right now? There is some tension, but maybe not as much as you would think, to be honest with you. I, I think um, the funny thing about the NFL is that uh, as a team gets to this point, um, a lot of times, you know, there was definitely, there's been times, you know, I've been in this Bill's locker room a few years now. There's definitely been times where tensions rise for sure. Uh, I can point to that afternoon uh, with Mario Williams and and Preston Brown and Nigel Bradham and Corey Graham all talking about the defense uh, and it getting very tense in there. Uh, there's there were some times also in 2014, same deal uh, after Mike Williams was complaining about uh, being inactive and things like that. It got very tense in there. I think it hasn't reached that point yet. I mean, these guys are still professionals. They're still only 0-2. I, I actually think, uh, you know, there's definitely a deflated feel in some ways, but at the same time, I don't think the tension is running super, super high, uh, and it might not until things get real and this team is staring down the barrel of a, another playoffless season, which I know many think they already are, but I'm not sure that reality is totally sunk in yet with these guys. All right, that's the last of the questions. I appreciate you guys listening to this episode. A reminder that you can subscribe to the show on iTunes or on audioboom.com by searching Locked On Bills. We will have you covered with daily podcasts throughout the week to get you ready for Cardinals week. Um, we'll break down the Cardinals and what challenges they present to the Bills uh, on tomorrow's episode. And um, yeah, we'll find we'll find some other stuff to talk about throughout the week to get you ready for that home game, a must-win game, as LaShawn McCoy said. Uh, But thanks, everybody, for listening, and I will talk to you next time.